As the story goes, it all began on a dark stormy night. A group of friends were up to the challenge of seeing who could write the best ghost story. Little did they know, this challenge would inspire one of the greatest horror novels in literature history by one of the best female authors of all time. Hello, hello, hello everyone! My name is Katie, and you are listening to Creeping Out Katie. Thank you for joining me for another episode. In this podcast, I talk about different creepy things that scared me as a child. I will also talk about the history behind them, and if they're actually scary. As you can tell from our little intro, today's creepy topic is the late and great Mary Shelley. If you do not know, Mary Shelley is a Victorian-era author known for writing the novel Frankenstein. She was a literary pioneer in the exploration of death and grief, but also the founder of science fiction. Now, before we can continue, Frankenstein is not the monster. The title Frankenstein is referring to Victor Frankenstein, the creator. The monster we know and love is just referred to as the creation or the creature. Knowledge is knowing Frankenstein is not the monster. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein is the monster. You know that stuff. If you are thinking, Katie, that's stupid, you were afraid of Frankenstein as a child? First of all, this entire podcast is me talking about the things that scared me as a child. That's the whole point. And believe me, I was afraid of stupider things than Frankenstein, and I'll definitely talk about that in the future. To be fair, the story of Frankenstein scared a lot of people at the time. It is literally dead body parts sewn together walking around attacking people. I was originally going to go over the different interpretations of Frankenstein, however, I am not an English major, obviously, and I think that might get a little boring. But you know what is not boring? The life of Mary Shelley. For now, relax, enjoy, and try not to get creeped out. Mary Shelley was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin in London, England on August 30th, 1797. She was the daughter of philosopher and political writer William Godwin and feminist activist and writer Mary Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft is known for writing The Vindication of the Rights of Women, 1792. She was a passionate supporter of education and social equality for women. Unfortunately, she passed away after giving birth to her daughter Mary. A few years later, Mary's father married a widower named Mary Jane Claremont. I hate the whole evil stepmother trope, but both Marys were not fond of each other. Claremont valued her biological daughter Claire's education over Mary's. She sent Claire to school while Mary stayed home. Even though she didn't have a formal education, Mary was able to teach herself how to read by using the books from her father's extensive library. She spent most of her time reading on her mother's grave in the St. Pancreas churchyard. Yes, her favorite place in the entire world was her mother's grave. How goth is that? In fact, Mary learned how to write by tracing her mother's name engraved on the headstone. Mary liked to daydream, escaping from her often challenging home life into her imagination. She saw reading and writing as escapism. Shelley stated that, As a child, I scribbled. My favorite pastime during the hours given me for recreation was to write stories. She reread her mother's writings over and over. Mary published her first poem, Merceau Montepas, in 1807. In 1812, 14-year-old Mary met 19-year-old Percy Shelley. Percy was a follower of Mary's father's work and often joined the family for dinner. The two didn't meet again for two more years when Mary was 16 and Percy was 21. At the time, Percy was married to another 16-year-old named Harriet, whom he had a child with. There are so many red flags. This is a grown-ass man who's going to leave a 16-year-old wife 
with a young child for another 16-year-old. Like, the five-year age gap? Not bad. Who cares? That happens a lot. But what's bad is that he met her when she was a child and he was a legal adult. Like, I know things were different back then and I'm happy things kind of worked out for them, but still... Like, okay, okay, if I have young listeners, I don't care if you're a boy, girl, non-binary, if someone who is an adult shows any romantic interest in you as a minor, stay away from them. So Percy, by Victorian standards, was a bad boy. His writings were very radical, calling attention to the state of the world and politics in a negative light. His best-known works were Ozymandias, 1818, Ode to the West Wind, 1819, To a Skylark, 1820, and the political ballad, The Mask of Anarchy, 1819. He was even kicked out of Oxford University for writing a pamphlet titled The Necessity of Atheism. He had little money but was seen as a big baller and was very into free love. Percy believed that Mary was his intellectual soulmate. In 1814, Mary and Percy were reunited and began spending time together. After a few months of romantic strolls to her mother's grave, they declared their love for each other right there in the cemetery. Yep, they did the nasty no-no on her mother's grave. Mary's father disapproved of this relationship and forbid Mary from seeing Percy ever again. However, she then agreed to flee to Paris with Percy after he threatened to commit suicide. No, 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 no. Mary's stepsister, Claire Clement, accompanied them. But here's the thing, Mary's stepmother Mary followed them in hot pursuit to get them back to England. Technically, they could not get married due to Percy still being married to Harriet. Unfortunately, a few years later, Harriet did commit suicide, which then allowed Mary and Percy to get married. Mary tried to convince the young couple and her daughter to come back to England, however, they refused. After a while, they ran out of money and had to go back. Mary's father refused to see them and did not speak to Mary for almost four years. Percy's father was pissed that his son abandoned Harriet and grandchild, valid, so he cut off his allowance, and Percy had to spend months on the run to avoid creditors. In 1816, the couple and Claire spent a summer with Lord Byron and Dr. John William Podori near Geneva, Switzerland, where Mary will conceive the idea of the novel Frankenstein. So here's some tea. At the time, Claire was pregnant with a child by Lord Byron. Now, Lord Byron was a controversial playboy. He had recently divorced his wife, and rumor had it, to continue an affair with his half-sister. He had to leave England because of the scandal. Percy and Byron had been fans of each other's work, soon formed the bromance of the literature century, and decided to rent nearby properties along Lake Geneva. At night, the group would hang out at Lord Byron's rented estate along with John Polarity, his doctor. They read poetry, argued, and talked late into the night. The hot scientific studies at the time were biology, the study of life, and galvanism, the study of electricity produced by chemical action. This study seemed to show some promise in reanimating body parts of recently dead animals and humans. This caused one of their more frequent debates whether or not human corpses could be reanimated after death. Mary spent most of her time listening to their conversations about the limits of modern medicine. So the year before, in 1815, there was a gigantic volcanic eruption at Mount Tambora in Indonesia. From all the ash and dust in the air, the eruption killed roughly 100,000 people in its immediate aftermath, but the overall toll ended up being much higher. It is now considered to be the deadliest volcanic eruption in history. Most of Europe was covered in fog and frost the next few years. Crop production failed across Europe, Asia, and even North America. 
So being trapped in the house with people in their late teens and early 20s would eventually lead to drama. Byron was getting annoyed by Claire's romantic attempts to get back together with him since she was carrying his baby. Mary had a fight of sexual advances from Palidori while Percy was going through a depression episode. After being stuck inside for three days, everyone was about to lose it. Their only form of escapism was reading horror stories and morbid poems. One night, Byron gave them all a challenge. Who could write the best ghost story? Mary wanted to write a story too, but she couldn't think of a good subject or plot. But one night during a storm, she had a vision. Quote, I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out, she wrote, and then, on the working of some powerful engine, showed signs of life. This was the inspiration of Frankenstein. Then came the night of the challenge. Percy wrote a scary poem about his childhood. I don't know if he understood the assignment, but hey, I'm making a podcast about things that scared me as a child too. I should not judge. Lord Byron told a story about a blood-sucking vampire that preyed on its victims. Inspired by Byron's story, Palladoria later published a novella, The Vampire, in 1819. It was supposedly the first work of fiction that included vampire protagonists, which many think was based off Byron himself. Then it was Mary's turn. Frankenstein tells the story of Victor Frankenstein, a young scientist who created a creature, the monster, in a scientific experiment. When Victor succeeded in giving life to his own creation, he was horrified by the creature and rejected it. The monster, left to his own devices, seeks its revenge against its creator through murder and terror. Historians say that Frankenstein is the first science fiction novel. By definition, science fiction is based on the imagined future scientific or technological advances and major social or environmental changes. Many people think of space travel, aliens, and whatnot. This is more of a recent or modernized category of science fiction. Author Brian Aldiss claims Frankenstein represents, quote, the first similar work to which the label science fiction can be logically attached. Although normally associated with the graphic horror genre, the novel introduces science fiction themes such as the use of technology for achievements beyond the realm of science of its time, and the alien antagonist furnishing a view of human condition from the outside perspective. Compared to other stories with fantastical elements resembling those of later science fiction, Aldous states, the central character makes a deliberate decision and turns to modern experiments into the laboratory to achieve fantastic results. The novel Frankenstein has a substantial influence on literature as well as pop culture. If you have ever taken an intro to psychology course, you would know the neurologist and founder of psychoanalyst, Sigmund Freud. If you don't, he has several theories that are still practiced today, such as the unconscious mind, the id, ego, superego, the psychosexual stages, and more. The story of Frankenstein surprisingly expresses some of Freud's theories decades before he was even born. In fact, it argues with Freud's penis envy theory in favor with Karen Horney's womb envy due to Victor Frankenstein's obsession with creating life. So after telling her story to the group, they encouraged Mary to write it into a novel. Due to her being a woman, she had a hard time getting it published. Frankenstein was eventually published anonymously in 1818, with Mary's name only added to the book five years later in 1823. At the time, no one thought a woman could write Frankenstein. There are still copies where Percy Shelley is referred to as the author. I have several quotes from Mary Shelley about her views on feminism and equality. Quote, I do not wish women to have power over men but over ourselves. These may be turned utopian dreams, thanks to that being who impressed them on my soul, and gave me sufficient strength of mind to dare to exert my own reason till coming dependent only on him 
for the support of my virtue. I view with indignation the mistaken notion that enslaved my sex. Many of these quotes and more from Mary Shelley, A Vindication of the Rights of Women, with structures on political and moral subjects. On July 8, 1822, Percy Shelley and Edward Williams were sailing in Shelley's new boat, the Donjon, from Livorno, Italy, where Shelley met Lee Hunt and Lord Byron for a meeting. There was a large storm, and the inexperienced crew became lost at sea. Ten days later, Shelley's badly decomposed body was washed ashore at Viareggio. On August 16th, his body was cremated on a beach, and the ashes were buried in the Protestant Cemetery of Rome. When Shelley's body was cremated, his, quote, unusually small heart resisted burning, possibly due to calcification from an earlier tubercular infection. He was only 29 years old. The heart was given to his friend Hunt, who preserved it in wine. When Mary wrote to Hunt to ask him for it, he refused, telling her that his love for his friend neglected the claims of any other love. Weird thing to say to your late friend's wife, but hey, bros before hoes. However, Byron weighed in and eventually convinced Hunt to give Mary the heart. She kept the heart in a silk purse in her desk drawer. The second most goth thing she's ever done? The heart was eventually buried in the family vault with her son, Percy Florence Shelley, when he died in 1889. After Percy's death, Mary moved back to London, England with her son. Mary went on to writing novels, plays, stories, poems, and dozens of biographies. She passed away on February 1st, 1851, at the age of 53. She rebelled against conventions, followed her heart, and supported herself financially by writing. However, those other writings could never affect literature and pop culture like Frankenstein. Frankenstein has been referenced in hundreds of forms of media in the last 200 years. There have been many film adaptions. Some of the best, in my opinion, are Universal's Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenweenie, Young Frankenstein, Edward Scissorhands, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, they are considered Frankenstein adaptations. I would like to end this episode on a happy note. Here is my favorite Mary Shelley quote. Live and be happy and make others so. Mary Shelley, Frankenstein. Creeping Out Kitty was brought to you by River Sticks Audio and created by me, Katie Clark. For written transcripts, research credit, updates, and more, visit our website at riverstixaudio.wixsite.com. If you enjoyed this podcast or any of our other podcasts, follow our Instagram and Twitter under riverstixaudio. Intro and outro song is Misconceptions by Mew. Background music, Maestro Chakalel by Jess Gallagher. Logo art by Melin Costello from MC Design. <laughs>